23 again, and we'll be till we get through. So, as I said last week, one of the difficulties of, uh, of this part of the Proverbs is that I heard a fellow say one time he didn't like to study Proverbs because it's too much like the phone book. And they said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, it changes subjects every line. And so, you know, it, it's not really that bad, but it does jump around quite a bit. And God designed it that way for some good reason. And uh, as you go through Proverbs, you'll be on one subject and just right in the middle of it, it seems like, uh, because you get back to it later. And so it's right in the middle of the discussion of that subject, and the Lord will take our attention over here to something else. And uh, but but He designed it that way, and it's for our good. But the difficulty is that, for example, in this chapter, as I said, and by the way, let me remind you that uh, that I decided to uh, to name this chapter the theme of it, at least for me is the management of me, the management of me, because all, the whole chapter has to do with us controlling ourselves, and of course that is the, you know, that's the Bible word is temperance, self-control, and that's what this is all about, and there are eight different subjects, and uh, probably next week, uh, probably next week we're going to look at two or maybe even three of those because there's only a couple of verses on each one. Uh, but some of the subjects, you know, we just, I, I wanted to devote all of our attention on a particular night to that subject. And th that's where we're at tonight. So the second of these eight subjects has to do with what is discussed in verse four and five. And it deals with the matter of riches verse 4 labor not to be rich cease from thine own wisdom wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not question mark for riches certainly make themselves wings and fly away as an eagle toward heaven now uh, some people don't have any problem at all when it comes to overeating or or to table manners. Uh, you know, I was I was brought up to where you, you know, really you, it was it was fine to eat all that you could. And uh, mom and dad they never were really big on table manners. Maybe they should have been. I'm not against manners. I. Anybody, somebody had posted a thing on Facebook, and it was this guy showed this guy. I shouldn't get off on all of this, but he was uh, like being a restaurant or in a school or whatever, and he was intentionally eating all of this stuff. Did anybody see that? He'd be eating on some cabbage and chips and making all the noise again, take a drink out of his soda and <laughs> slurp it down, and it was showing the reaction to those other people, and it was driving them crazy. To think that somebody would be so ill-mannered that they would do something like that. Well, oh boy, they, you know, there are people that really get bent out of shape about certain things and, uh, and not others. And so uh, they, they don't have a problem like some of us that enjoy eating, what have you. But uh, 
they covet the things of the world. Uh, I, I worked for a fella years ago, very educated man. He was my boss, in fact. Uh, had a lot of money, a nice home, uh, really a nice guy. Uh, and it was so out of the ordinary to hear him say something like he did, but his exact words is, I hate fat people. I cannot stand to be around anybody that is overweight. It just bothers me and, and went on and on and on. And, and, you know, I thought to myself, and I wasn't even a Christian at that time, and I thought, my soul, how could anybody feel that way towards somebody else because they're uh, overweight? Well, now, look, he didn't have a problem with that, but let me tell you, he had some other problems it was all right to him, you know, to drink a little too much and get tipsy. It, there's some other things I won't mention that was all right with him. Wouldn't have been all right with his wife, but it was all right with him, you know. Uh, but, boy, he was just all bent out of shape over people that had some extra pounds on, on their frame. Now, now, listen, so many times we are quick to condemn some people for something that might be repulsive to us and we turn around and excuse our own sin. You know, I don't think God gave us the right to do that. How about you? I, I think we need to deal with our own. But listen, but we do need to deal with those issues in our life. And since the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, is, do you believe that's true? The love of money, not money, the love of money, yeah, that's the root of all evil. Uh, and uh, that being true, then this, this subject ought to be a matter that concerns every single one of us. Because maybe you're thinking, well, I don't need to worry about that because I don't have a lot of money. I'm not one of those rich people. Well, you don't need to be, uh, you see. Uh, let, let me tell you, a lot of times... It's the poor people that have a greater love of money than some of the rich people. So don't just give a blanket indictment against people that have got a lot of money. You know, it may be God planned it that way. He certainly did with Solomon, gave him an abundance. But let me tell you something, Solomon wasn't looking for that. You go read the story, he wasn't looking for riches, he wasn't looking for fame. What he wanted, he wanted wisdom. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. So we ought to be concerned about this, and especially especially since we live in a materialistic society, a society where covetousness is almost as common as breathing. It's, it's kind of one of those things we just do it without even thinking about it, right? I mean, it just happens. Tim and I was talking before the service about something, and, uh, and, 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 and what it boiled down to was the fact that in America, you know, that we have been so spoiled that we think God would be mistreating us if we had to live in the crowded conditions of people in some countries. You know, we all like our seclusion, right, boy? You know, we, 
uh, coming over here, Michael Berry was advertising those two to five acre tracks out north of the woodlands and how nice it was in the woods and no neighbors to bother you or anything. We like to think of that. What if you lived in one of these countries where, man, there were people all around you packed in there like sardines? I mean, there were people everywhere. And what if you had to eat what they had to eat, if they could find something to eat? And, 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 and we have been so spoiled in America that it's kind of like, and I think Tim used the analogy that if our cable, God forbid, our cable go out for two or three hours, what are we going to do? No TV, no computer, you know. And that's, so that's where we are. And in this materialistic society, there are those that prey on you by that. You, you just flip on the TV, the radio, read the paper, wherever you go. There's somebody got something that is in your face trying to convince you that you'll never be happy, you'll never be content until you get their product. Oh, we know you've got one that's like it, but it's not as good as ours. Ours is so much better. You need to use our shampoo. You need to buy this dog food. You'll never be happy unless you do. So we've got that before us all the time, trying to convince us to spend our hard-earned money on things that we don't need to Press people that we don't even like. And we do it. We do it without even thinking about it, you see. So I hope when I, when I extended the warning last week about thinking of yourself as being better or stronger than somebody else, you know, because they might fail in one of these areas, I hope now that you can see why I gave that warning because it's real easy to look at back at last week's lesson and boy I mean you're 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 slim and you're trim and you you don't even have a propensity to overeat or anything and that's just natural for you and for you to criticize somebody that does have a problem in that area uh, believe it or not, if we, listen, if we stay on this long enough, sooner or later, we'll get around to your sin. So don't get too cocky about it, you know, because it just might be that yours is more harmful to you or more offensive to others than theirs is. So let's just determine we're going to take care of our own business and a lot of times somebody has no compulsion at all to overeat, but an inordinate desire to get rich. I, I had a fellow in the church years ago, and, uh, and in fact, he was, uh, he was the head of our youth ministry. And had, we had a great youth choir. They sang in Washington, D.C., and traveled all over the country singing. And uh, I remember him telling me one day, he got involved in Amway, and I'll never forget him telling me one day, I, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time that I'm 30, and that way I can just retire. And I, and that was his goal, and he was working at it. He quit the. Uh, I, this broadcast going out. I got to be careful what I say, but it was so heartbreaking to see him invest all of his time and energy into that. Well, thank God, thank God. Over the years later, after he had made that mistake, he. End up now he's a pastor in Oklahoma, I think. And so thank God for that. But he went through some difficult times as a result of that desire to 
to get rich. Notice what it says, verse 4, labor not to be rich. That's not a popular prohibition, is it? Labor not to be rich. Most people think that's perfectly acceptable as a goal in our life. You know, hardly anybody really takes serious the command that tells us, be content with such things as you have. Be content with that. And you just stop and ask yourself, several years ago before we came here, somebody sold a lot of items. The first ring I'd ever bought for Bev, it was a, I bought it uh, years and years ago as a birthstone ring. Uh, the ring my, my mom and dad gave me on my 16th birthday that meant so much, the railroad watch, and a lot of different things that they stole. And uh, it's... It's hard to get over losing some of those things. It's not the value of the item so much as it is that this meant something to me because, you know, somebody special gave it to me, you know, and and now it's gone. And let me tell you, if something like that's ever happened to you, you've got to get past that. Don't let yourself get hung up on material things to the point that it robs you of your testimony and robs you of your happiness because it's just stuff and you're not going to take it with you when you die by the way so he says labor not to be rich but rather instead of that we're to be content with whatever we have well you know in the mind of most people uh much is good, more is better, and they're out to get all they can. That's kind of the philosophy they live by. You know, if we can, if we can upscale on our, uh, on our house and on our car, and we can, you know, we're just, you know, we used to be content with this, but now, you know, especially if some of our friends, they've been able to move out of the old neighborhood and into a new neighborhood, and now they've got two, you know, Instead of 1,600 square feet, they've got 2,000 square feet, and uh, we got to catch up with them, you know. And, and so, consequently, we just get eat up with covetousness. Uh, and so he says here, be satisfied with what you've got and do not labor to be rich. And, 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 and the sad thing is, not only do we often condone that, but we encourage it. And I want to explain that. We encourage it by, a lot of times we tell young people, our children, for example, that they, uh, you know, that they need to have a goal. And, and, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with setting goals. That's fine. But whenever we have a goal, for example, like some people to be a millionaire by the time we're 30, like that one young man, uh, we're headed for trouble. And what happens is we convince our kids that they're worth as a person, has to do with the amount of their income. And so we tell them, you know, well, you, look, you've got to go to college, you've got to get a degree, you've got to get a good job, and so forth. And so we, what we do is to encourage them to pursue a worthless and harmless or harmful cause. And it would be a whole lot better if we would tell them what the Bible says, labor not to be rich, be content, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that that's good advice. That's Bible advice. So he says first on the list, instead of trying to get rich, 
seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what they need to hear, and that's what they need to see us doing. If they see mom and dad burning the candle at both ends and running like madmen out here in the world, exhausting themselves and trying to always get more, get bigger, get better, and so forth, and trying to outdo the Joneses, Whenever they see us doing that, it, it, uh, our bad example begins to create within them a spirit of discontent and, 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 and a feeling that I, you know, that, I, that I've got to live up to dad's expectations, you know, and we've sent them down the wrong road. Now, labor not to be rich, but don't misunderstand what we're talking about here. That does not prohibit a good education. It has nothing to do with the level of your education. Nor does it have anything to do with careful planning. Planning is a pretty smart thing. We, we, I, I've heard some of you talking. Some of you already, I wish you wouldn't talk about it in front of Bev, uh, with me around especially, but uh, you, are, you already planted your garden or at least you broke the ground for it. And especially don't talk about tomatoes, you know, because, uh, uh, but, uh, by the way, if you're, if you're going to be a farmer, you've got to do some careful planning. You can't just go out there, let's say in November and say, well, you know, I'm going to be busy later on. I think I'm just going to plant my garden right now. Well, you're going to waste all of your time and effort. It's going to all be in vain. So planning is important. Education is good. Hard work is a necessity. And by the way, there's not even anything wrong with getting a good salary. Unless, unless that's what you're living for and you can't be happy without it. We have a responsibility to provide for ourselves, a responsibility to provide for our family. And, 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 and we, listen, we ought to work hard in doing that, but the point is that we should not strive for excess. And that's what he's talking about. Labor, not, that word labor has to do with working to the point of exhaustion. I mean, you just wear yourself out trying to make more so you can get more things. And that, that's the point here. You provide for your family, absolutely. But do not make this the main priority or the primary goal in your life because you'll be on the wrong track if you do. Now, notice the next phrase. Labor not to be rich, but notice, cease. Stop. Cease. Quit. Stop from thine own wisdom. The Bible tells us the wisdom of this world isn't wise. And, and the wisdom of man would tell you to seek after fortune and seek after fame. You know, get all of the possessions you can, gain all the popularity you can, become a somebody in this world, you know. Well, that's the wisdom of this world. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says instead of doing that, that we ought to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth. That's where our primary interest ought to be. 
James talks about this, and, and let, me, let me just read what James says. We're talking about worldly wisdom now and the fact that worldly wisdom isn't wise. And in the little letter of James in chapter number 3, and uh, let's start in verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, and then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, that, that's just one of many sections of Scripture that talk about the contrast between the wisdom of this world and true wisdom, which is from above. You could say that's what the entire book of Proverbs is all about. It is the contrast between folly and wisdom. The wisdom of this world has led people to do some of the most awful, horrible, terrible things imaginable. It leads us astray. You can't depend upon the wisdom of this world. You know, you can say, well, you know, boy, I was wrestling with this problem and I went to Dr. Who done it and he told me how to do it. And so I couldn't be wrong because he's got all of those degrees hanging on the wall. He is such a wise man. Why, he's been on radio and he's been on TV. He's really popular. He's written 411 books, you know, and he couldn't be wrong. But, but if it's based on the wisdom of this world, you mark it down, it's going to take you off track. I all, when I think about this, I always think about what Jeremiah uh, 10, 23 says. It says, the way of man is not in himself that walketh. It's not in man. That, that is the ability for us to walk, to live as we ought to. It's not in us. Over and over again over the years, whenever it might be a card, a letter, or whatever, and about 90% of the time, under my signature, I put Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Anybody know what it says? Go ahead. Good girl. Amen. That nailed it. Lean not to your own understanding. And there's so many times when we're dealing with an issue, the first thing we do, you, we either go out and we get advice from someone or we, we sit down and brainstorm. We're going to figure this out, right? I just can't sleep till I figure out what I ought to do. Well, you know, uh, the best advice you can get is what the Bible says. And, and in this case, it says, you know, don't labor to be rich. And he says, cease from your own wisdom. Now, verse 5. Will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? That's a question now. Will you set your eyes? Will you focus your attention upon that which isn't even real? For riches certainly make themselves wings and they fly away, 
as an eagle toward heaven. Here, here is the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, they seem to, they, they seem to provide satisfaction and security, but they don't. Notice what he says. He, he describes, describes it as that which is not. That, that's kind of another way of saying they're nothing. And you know, while to some people riches are everything, the Bible says, no, they're not. They are nothing. So this has to do with the worthlessness of wealth. So I know there's a sense in which money talks. You know, you can give money to missions, for example, and that can go be used to send missionaries and print literature and all of that stuff. And, and so certainly money can be used in a good way, but in, in this sense, it's, it's something that is absolutely worthless. It, it's kind of like, you know, somebody said money can buy you a bed but not sleep. It can buy a clock but not time. It can buy books but not knowledge. It can buy you a position somewhere, but not respect. It can buy you medicine, but not health. It can buy blood, but not give you life. It can buy sex, but not love. And that, that list could just go on and on and on and on. It can buy a house, but it can't make a home. You see what I'm saying? And that's why that for those who are given to the pursuit of wealth, money is as nothing. And notice he says that um, they make themselves wings and fly away. Boy, I, I sat at the house this afternoon and kept thinking about that. And we could, I, I could go for two hours just reading the testimony of different people that have had this happen to them. And I'm going to close in just a minute by reading one, uh, but, uh, but we, need, we need to think about that. They make themselves wings and fly away. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. Uh, I've heard it several different times on TV, and I've read it in different places, of people that have won the lottery. Millions of dollars, they won the lottery. And then their life fell apart, and they said over and over again, they said, uh, that's the worst thing that ever happened to me. I wish I had never won all of that money. It ruined my life. And let me tell you, the pursuit of riches will ruin your life also. Matthew Henry, an old writer of many years ago, he said concerning riches, he says they have a real existence in nature and they are real gifts of providence. That is, God allows us to have them. But in the kingdom of grace, they're just things that are not. They're not a happiness and a portion for a soul. They're not what they promise to be. They're not what we expect them to be. And they're a show, a shadow, a sham upon the soul that trusts in them. Don't put your trust in riches because it'll let you down every time, sooner or later. I read about one uh, big shot executive, and boy, here was a guy that 
that had finally made it to the very tip top, you know, of his profession, and now he is a leader of a company. He has a has a big salary and what have you. He said, "Quote: I spent all of my life climbing to the top of the ladder, only to discover that it was against the wrong law." A lot of folks have done that. You know, they've got all of this money and the big fancy home and everything. They wear designer clothing. They can go to Tiffany's and buy all of the fancy stuff there. But they're miserable. You think back over the years and uh, at, at the famous entertainers, uh, whether it's Janis Joplin or Elvis Presley and that John Bellucci, and that list goes on and on of people that in their field, they reached the top. They had more money than they could ever spend. Uh, they had the world at their fingertips, so to speak, and yet they were absolutely miserable. Uh, Marilyn Monroe is another great example of that. And, and I'll, never, I'll never forget reading the testimony whenever she had committed suicide and she called, uh, she called somebody that was supposedly a friend, a fellow entertainer uh, of sorts, an actor. And she called this guy and told him that she was tired of life and, and thinking about just killing herself. And he made this the famous statement of the old uh, movie, you know, frankly, dear, I don't give a, and hung up. And she went in and overdosed on pills and killed herself. How sad it is to have everything the world thinks is important and be absolutely miserable. Uh, there has circulated a statement said to be the last words of Steve Jobs. Well, if anybody had money, it was him. In fact, uh, there's some controversy about it because some claim that it wasn't, but, uh, but at least Richard Branson, who is the, you know, what, Virgin Airlines or whatever it is and got all of that money and fame, and he put this on his blog. He was so impressed by it. So whether Steve Jobs actually said this or not, believe me, there have been a great many people like him that have felt the same way when it was all said and done. And I want to read you what is said to be the last words of Steve Jobs. Quote, I have come to the pinnacle of success in business. In the eyes of others, my life has been the symbol of success. However, apart from work, I have little joy. Finally, my wealth is simply a fact to which I am accustomed. At this time, lying on the hospital bed and remembering all of my life, I realize that all of the accolades and the riches of which I was once so proud have become insignificant with my intimate death. In the dark, when I look at green lights of the equipment, for artificial respiration, respiration and feel the buzz of the mechanical sounds, I can feel the breath of my approaching death looming over me 
Only now do I understand that once you accumulate more, uh, uh, accumulate enough money for the rest of your life, you have to pursue, uh, pursue objectives that are not related to wealth. It should be something more important. For example, stories of love, art, dreams of my childhood. No, stop pursuing wealth. It can only make a person into a twisted being just like me. You don't have to be worth millions and millions of dollars to make the mistake that fellow made. All you have to do is to wrap up all of your hopes and dreams in becoming rich and, and accumulating all of the goods that you think will make you happy because one of these days, whatever you have, regardless of how much it is, it won't be enough to make you happy anymore. And, 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 and you'll not only be miserable, you'll be more miserable than you've ever been before. Some of the poorest people have a lot of money. They're wealthy, but they're poor because they don't have joy unspeakable and full of glory. They don't have a peace that passeth all understanding. They don't have a love that passeth knowledge. They, they don't know what it is to be able to really truly call God your Father and heaven your home and to have the assurance that your sins have been forgiven and that you have eternal life and they don't know anything about that. But if you're a child of God, you can sing that old southern gospel song, I'm a poor rich man. Eric sometimes sings that, you know, when Kep sings, uh, I've got a lot more, you know, uh, uh, than a lot of rich folks. I'm a poor rich man. Things that money can't buy. And... Uh, if we'll just seek first the kingdom of God, put him first in everything, believe me, you'll never lack for any good thing you need. God will give you everything you need and he'll give you more. I not give you what you want, but that's because God is too smart, too wise, too loving to just let you have anything you want. You wouldn't do that to your kiddos, would you? They want a pair of scissors. You know it's going to hurt them. And so whenever you seek first the kingdom of God, he might withhold some things that your old flesh desires, but it's for your own good. And if we'll learn to be content with whatever God gives us, we'll be more happy than we've ever been before. Don't turn into that twisted old man Steve Jobs talked about. God wants something better than that for you. Well, I hope tonight uh, that something's been said that will be of an encouragement to someone. The very next verse gets into another matter, and we'll talk about it next week. It deals with the matter of separation. Because, you know, the decisions that we make, the goals that we set, oftentimes are determined by those that we associate with. Like, you know, Mama said, you know, don't run with the wrong crowd. Uh, and whenever you do that, if you 
If you get with the wrong people, believe me, you'll end up on the wrong path. And so, Lord willing, we're going to talk about that next week.